What is up, everybody? Welcome into the locker room. This is a Dynasty Fantasy Football experiment. We're going to focus on team building, roster construction, draft strategy, and trade negotiation, which, of course, is the lifeblood of all Dynasty Leagues. I'm your host, Burke. Uh, we're joined tonight with a new member of our Fantasy Affairs staff, Garrett Venna. How's it going, Garrett? It is going good, my dude. I'm happy to be on the show talking some Dynasty strategy with you. And thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Absolutely, man. Welcome into the locker room. We're going to focus on the theory behind startups. Uh, this will be dropping in, in January, I believe. Uh, you, you might be the first one in March, but it's way before the annual draft season. Now, startups are going, but we're going to avoid ADPs for now. We're going to try and avoid names. They come up. It happens. This is just a conversation, uh, but we're going to try and get those those vets that have been playing forever, a little bit of information, and we are also going to bring in the new generation. So let's start with settings. When you ever get you get into any endeavor, you really want to know what you're getting into. Uh, you want to find something that you are comfortable with, and the settings are king. So let's talk about PPR, which is point per reception, for standard, which would be non-PPR, where you only get stats for yards and touchdowns, and how that uh, changes the values for you for, for different players. Yeah, man. So PPR is obviously a little bit controversial. Some people are all for it. And some people think that the whole getting a reception for negative one yards, but still getting 0.9 yards is a little bit cheap. So I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the bandwagon of, I do like PPR and it is going to be obviously a lot different when you're playing standard or half PPR, the pass catching is not going to be as much of a factor, but PPR is definitely one of my favorite formats, and it's something that you got to pay attention to when you're doing a startup. Now, you mentioned uh, pass catching not being as big of a factor in standard leagues and in PPR. Clearly, it's crucial to get those targets. Uh, how does that affect specific positions? Do you focus more on, on wide receivers with less big plays and, and more of a stable floor? Does it bring any other running backs into play? Yeah, so in – Standard or half PPR, a lot of the big play receivers are going to be more of a priority for me. Whereas in PPR, I'm going to want those guys who get the consistent targets, the consistent receptions. So there is a, a big discrepancy there, I would say. Yeah, for those that are big standard guys, they think that it doesn't really matter how you get the balls, what you do when you get it. Uh, for us PPR players, it's really the fact that he's part of the game plan. So those people that get extra targets even if they are a short yardage are a significant factor in their team um, there are a lot of different players that come to mind that help you pick up the first downs there are running backs that come out of the backfield that catch passes as well as getting touches and a target is worth more than two times that of a carry when you break down the numbers now let's go to different kinds of roster constructions. Let's talk about one quarterback leagues in comparison to Superflex. A Superflex league, you can play any skill position in that spot, including a second quarterback. It's essentially a two-quarterback league with some flexibility. How does one quarterback compared to uh, Superflex or two-quarterback leagues change the values on specific players and your thoughts going into a league? Now, you don't need a genius to know that when you're playing one QB, Quarterbacks are obviously obviously going to be a lot less valuable, and you can wait until the later rounds to get your guy. But if you're playing super flex, one of the reasons why I love super flex personally is because it evens the playing field. So normally in one quarterback, you have one quarterback versus multiple starting running backs and wide receivers. 
But when you do go into that super flex format, it's going to even the playing field and you got to make those tough decisions in the first few rounds. Do I go high end quarterback or do I go running back or wide receiver? So that definitely changes the whole strategy. It's a whole different game, but I personally really love it. And all of, all but a few of my leagues are super flex now. Yeah. The selling point between super flex is that the most important position for any NFL team because uh, this is supposed to be a little mini GM. This is my fantasy league, right? The quarterback is incredibly uh, important. And when you look at a one quarterback league, depending on how many players or how many teams are in it, there will be people on the waiver wire and you are only going to need the one, maybe a streamer. So you feel better about it. And those vets are just as valuable as the top end guys. But when you go to super flex, all of those middle of the road quarterbacks are going to be rostered. They're going to have value. It increases your trade partners and it increases a position that otherwise is often neglected. Now in one quarterback leagues, you mentioned in super flex, you have to decide whether or not you're going to grab one of those top end guys in one quarterback league. Clearly the average draft position plummets right because you can get those value those vets um, later in the draft that will get you through this year and then when you move on to rookie drafts there's always a top end guy in the in the end of the first start of the second and even in the third round you can still find value whereas in super flex they are at a premium that rolls us right into uh, league sizes and the amount of roster spots you have i see you have plugged in here 10 team, 12 team, 14, 16 team. Why don't you walk us through the difference between these league sizes for you personally? So when we're looking at league sizes, I think it comes back down to, it's a similar situation to where we're looking at different size starting rosters, right? So if we're looking at shallower starting rosters, depth is going to be a lot less important than if we're looking at starting rosters with a bunch of flexes, three wide receivers, all of that good stuff. It's a similar situation with 10 team as opposed to 12 team and all the way to 16 team, like our um, league that we're in together. So with 10 team, you're going to want to package depth for upgrades. You're, you're going to want to get as many of those elite guys as possible. But in 16 teams, there's going to be a lot more of depth as a priority. So yeah, yeah, there's less. Go ahead. No, that's you guys. That sums it up, man. There's less available the larger the league size. Ten team leagues, everybody's stacked. Everybody has those studs. So if you have fewer starters, you definitely want to pour in and get those top end guys. Uh, you'll be more likely to tr trade for them aggressively. When you get into larger league sizes, you're going to need some depth because if there is an injury or a bye week or somebody falls out of favor or if God forbid they reach their cliff, you're going to need somebody to fill in because there's really very little available at the same time, the larger the league, the studs stand out even more. Um, so if you are in a 16 team league and you have one of those top end running backs or wide receivers, you know that you have an advantage over your opponent because he does not. Okay, and when you are in the 10-team league, everybody stacks. You're really going to want to trade up. Is that correct? Yep. What we're getting Definitely. after, right? That's, that's the gist. That's the gist. So in this particular exercise, we are going to focus on a super flex format. One quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end with a tight end premium, two flexes, and a super flex league. Uh, for those that don't know, a tight end premium is instead of a point per reception, they get a point and a half. So it – tries to highlight that position that, again, is a little bit 
neglected in many leagues. And so we're going to have 10 starters. So there's a little bit of depth. We're going to go for a 12 team. So you have wiggle room. You don't necessarily need to fill your roster out in the beginning, but you have 10 starters and it's 12 teams. Okay. Uh, Let's go. So we got our settings. We know what we want to do. We know what we want to get into. Maybe you're a one quarterback person. That's good. Whatever you're trying to get into, make sure it's something that you enjoy in dynasty leagues. It's all about fun. Okay. And you want to have something you're comfortable with and you want to be in a league that you want to be a part of for a long time. Nothing worse than somebody leaves a dynasty. We literally, it hurts us because uh, we lost a partner. It's all about building that communication and that camaraderie. So when we're filling out our league, where do you like to find people to play with? Uh, how do you, how do you go about filling your leagues, whether you're a commissioner or you're looking to join one as a first timer? So because all of my leagues are on the same platform of sleeper, my go-to is the sleeper chat that's designed to find leagues. But I've also heard people use the dynasty nerds, Facebook group successfully as well as there is actually a Reddit page called r slash find a league. And I've heard of some good experiences with that one as well. So there's a lot of different resources out there. The important thing is just finding a group of guys that you think it's going to be a fun environment an active environment and then go from there. Yeah. You definitely want to find active people. Again, we're all together for the long haul. You want to find people that you have a lot of common with, Uh, that you can at least communicate with on some sort of basis and you don't want to burn a lot of bridges. You mentioned that you use Sleeper a ton. There are a lot of other platforms. There's ESPN, Yahoo, My My Fantasy League, Flea Flicker. Is there one particular reason that you use Sleeper over the others? Yeah, so I've tried them all. I've been around the block a couple of times, but Sleeper is my personal favorite because I love the added element of, it's kind of like a social uh, social media type thing where you can DM someone and communication is just a lot easier than it is on some of the other platforms like the archaic ESPN that's very notorious for being hard to get a, get a hold of your league mates at times. So Sleeper is definitely a, an advantage when, you, when it comes to that. Yes, the biggest selling point is the ability to communicate with your league mates. You're going to want to have that line of communication, whether it's for trade, trade talks, smack talk, general discussion, anything and everything. Because once you join a dynasty league, you just got a part or became a part of a community that is growing. That is a beautiful thing. I want to take this little opportunity to talk about how to lock up funds. Uh, because in any great community, there are always the scammers, the bad apples in the group. Uh, we use League Safe. Uh, for those overseas, they have a little trouble with League Safe, but they have a, a different kind of League Safe over there. But uh, generally, you want to pay everything into a, uh, a third party website that locks up all the funds for you. You want to set it to majority pr- approval, not commissioner control, majority, majority r- approval. That way, when you get to the end of the rainbow and you win your money or you don't, wh- whoever wins knows that they're getting their funds back. There's nothing worse than pouring your heart and soul into something and then not reaping the benefits. Uh, if you are on one of those websites that does not sleeper or, or Yahoo or, or uh, I think MFL has a fairly decent league chat, you're going to want to set up a second party here. It could be group me. It could be a Facebook page. You could all just exchange numbers, but you're going to want to have another spot where you can not only talk in the league chat and blow people up and smack talk uh, all in good fun. Of course, uh, you're going to want to be able to contact people directly to talk through trades, uh, see how they're doing and build a certain kind of relationship. So, Um, When you are finding your league mates, make sure that they are somebody 
that you don't necessarily have to have a lot in common with, but somebody you can get along with. Every league has somebody I call him a Jerry Jones owner that nobody can stand, and, and he's that guy. Some of those leagues, it's my guy. It's, I'm that guy because I didn't fit the group when we joined it. Next thing you know, I asked a couple of questions, and they're like, this guy just complains. I just need to know when payouts are coming and what they are. Um, so it happens. So if you're Jerry Jones, it's okay. You know, lay, lay off a little bit, try and uh, – Mend those fences. But once you get into a league, we got our settings. We got our funds locked up. We got the whole room is full. Any, any game you're playing, it's, the game starts as soon as the room is filled. Um, how do you like to communicate with people? Do you DM? Do you use the league chat? Uh, what kind of people are you looking for? And how do you gain that kind of information? So like you were discussing, a big, a big um, plus of Sleeper is that the league chat, you can communicate with everyone without having to have an external an external app or an external website that you use. So the lead chat is huge for me. I love the added feature that they just added with the trade block. It's fun being able to put players or picks on the trade block, get those conversations started. But one of the biggest things for me is finding a league where the lead chat is active. If I see that no one has posted on the lead chat in the last three or four days, if I'm picking up an orphan, per se, then it's going to be kind of a red flag for me. I, I like to keep the leagues as active as possible. And it's a year round thing that we do with dynasty. So that's a, that's a big one for me. Yeah. You definitely want to have an active group um, as far as communicating with everyone. Cause we just started this league. We just jumped in generally when you start a league and people just paid they're around. So do you direct message everybody in the league? Um, do you just start sending gifts, which is a little funny <laughs> pictures in the league chat and, uh, you know, how do you talk to people? What are you trying to gain out of every interaction? How do you go about things? Usually my first step is posting on the lead chat, just having casual conversation with other guys, seeing what, what they're talking about, just getting to know some dudes, who's active, who's not, who is looking to tr make trades and who is not. Those are all big pieces of information. And you always want to be paying attention to what's going on in your league. If you see a specific trade go down, or if you see a guy who has a specific strategy that they're talking about on the lead chat, those are all competitive advantages that we can gain. So just being observative and noticing your environment, noticing it's, it's getting a feel for the room is really what we're doing in dynasty. Yeah. There's a lot of different kinds of players out there. There are those guys that play Devi, which is where you draft people even when they're in high school or college. Uh, there are rookie guys. There are guys that just love the veterans. We had Matt Reiser on the Maddie Daddy. He just loves his vets. He loves his, his production. He can count on. Um, there are people that like to buy picks, sell picks. There are people trading up, trading down. There's a lot of different ways to go about gaining this information. The most important thing is to always be on the other line. Okay, You want to be available. You want to be able to read what people are, are writing and respond to it uh, in the appropriate manner. And it don't give away too much of what you're getting, but definitely read the room. If you see it, AJ Brown gets straight to the Texans and somebody blows it up and say, it's the best thing ever. And somebody else thinks it's the worst thing ever. Note that. Okay. Note that find out who likes what kind of age group, who has a specific uh, value on a specific player and use it to your advantage, especially if you're, if they're on your team. OK, so we have reached out to everybody. It's another thing I'd like to bring up. I would direct message every single person in the, in the room, everyone in the league. Some people respond. Some people don't. Some people are like just one word answers. Some people are two. If they don't respond at all, you know, that's probably not somebody you're going to you're going to communicate with very much. Some people come back with one word answers and you can kind of do that, kind of try and feel them out, get them out of the shadows. Uh, and they don't like it. So you can use that uh, to know that they probably aren't 
a trade target. And other people are just open and honest all the time. They're always there. They talk to you about their dog. They talk to you about your kids. They talk to you about their hair color. They talk to you about your work. And so that's how you really build a, 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 a community, man, because dynasty is winning is fun. Players are fun. Trades are fun. It's all fun. Uh, but it's only fun if the people you're around make it fun. Okay. So be one of those active people. Be one of those people that are available and uh, don't tear people down personally. Uh, but you can talk smack. You can tell them their team is trash and you can't wait to week, face them week six. You know, just don't attack their mind. Absolutely, man. That's one of the best parts of the sleeper leech chat is it's fun to talk trash. It's fun. And one thing that you can do is you can observe when people talk trash about a specific player or a specific player age, right? So you can notice those things and then kind of use that when you're interacting with them at a later date. Absolutely. You're trying to put them in that category. If somebody says, uh, you know, who else on the block? Somebody else is like, dude, he's 32. Yeah. That guy likes youth. Okay. Look for your guys that are somewhere in before their prime and try and flip him for a vet plus on the flip side. If Julio's on the board and somebody's like, that's my guy. I love Julio. Then you know that he's not scared of the age cliff. Now he's a very specific person because he's a clear cut hall of famer. I mean, he ran like a four, four 40 with a broken foot in the combine. He's a special person, <laughs> uh, but you can kind of gauge it. You can put out somebody on a specific team and maybe they'll talk about the coordinator or whatever. And you can see if somebody's talking about coordinators and O lines and, and personnel groupings, they're plugged in. Okay. So there's somebody to look out for, but it's also somebody that you can talk to if you're an advanced player. And if you're not an advanced player, don't be scared of the league chat. If everybody's talking about stuff you don't know about, put a cat give up, whatever, get in there and mix it up, man, because we all want to be a part of this. So the league's full, the settings are, are established. The funds are locked up. We're ready to get into it. We're about to get our draft spot. Do you have any moves planned going in when i say that do i mean do you do you draw up your entire board do you have like a play sheet where you know what you want to go after do you establish your own tiers do you use the adp on the site uh you know what are your moves going in what are your initial thoughts so first off i think it is very important to keep a flexible mindset when you're going into these drafts you don't want to have it completely mapped out where i'm going running back first round quarterback second round running back third round because if you do that you're going to you're going to miss out on value and it's a big a big part of being a good dynasty drafter is being able to adapt and change your strategy as it goes but that being said i am usually looking to move back in the draft i know you said that is somewhat similar with your strategy but i'm almost never trading up and giving up depth if i am going to trade up i want to get a pick back so even if it's a later round pick i want to get some draft capital in return but my strategy is usually to move out of those third, fourth round startup picks and get extra rookie futures or extra picks in the startup. Now, when you say you move out of the third and fourth round uh, and, and you like those future picks, you're not selling your third or fourth rounder for a pick, right? You are, you're looking to, to move back and acquire some future capital. And when you say that you want to, you don't want to um, lose draft capital, like you trade your first for, for a second and a fourth, or, or you trade up, uh, trade up into the first for a second and fourth, you're going to want to get a later draft pick back. You mean in the startup, correct? Because you never want to sell an entire pick. Yep, exactly. So if yeah. I'm looking to, let's say I'm moving my third round startup pick, usually a good thumbnail that I'm looking at is I either want to get two later startup picks, like say, for example, a fifth and a sixth or a fourth and a sixth. 
or I want to get a startup pick as well as a rookie pick thrown in. And that's another, another uh, big part of strategy and startups is rookie picks often go for cheap. People just throw them at you, man. So you got to always be looking to get that extra second round pick thrown in, get that extra third round pick thrown in. Cause it's not going to be difficult to do in a startup draft. Yeah. This is where you, all of that information that you attempted to gain when you, when you were just speaking to everyone, as soon as they got in the room, this is where it comes to fruition. You find those people that love rookies and you can possibly move off for something you think is of value and give them a rookie pick on the flip side. You find, you find those guys that loves vets and you can move back out of those top tiers in, their, in order to acquire their young players, because you know that that is something that they like to target. Um, okay. Now, when it, you mentioned that you don't trade out of the first and second, so third and fourth round. Is there, is there a specific reason it's the third and fourth round? This is a 12-team Superflex. Uh, is there a tier break for you there? Um, you know, why is the third or fourth round where you try and trade out? Yeah, like I said, there's always exceptions, my dude. So if I get, a, if I get an offer that makes it worth my while of moving a first or a second, I will absolutely do that. But usually I'm at least trying to get one elite running back and one elite quarterback because of the scarcity of those positions. So that's why I'm a little bit hesitant to move both my first and second round picks. But if the offer is right, I will move one of them. But I'm just making sure that I get enough capital in return. Yeah, chasing value can be a fickle mistress. Uh, trading one of those top-end quarterbacks to get two draft picks that are in the startup and you know you're going to be able to double-click in the fifth or the sixth round, that's great. You need to do a trade evaluation with yourself. Now, you don't necessarily know who's going to be there. Now, we all like to draw up our boards here at the Fantasy Affairs staff. Uh, most of the pros that we have come on here do the same thing. Uh, a lot of people don't. So you use the ADP. If you see it's the fifth round, scroll down, see who's there in the fifth, scroll down later and see who there's, who's there in the sixth and kind of hedge your bets. If you think someone will be there at the 510, look look at the beginning of the seventh and look and just assume I'm going to trade this guy for somebody that's late and somebody else that's late and make it. So it's the worst trade possible. And if you are comfortable with that, then you pull the trigger. Uh, if you're not a skilled trader or you don't have a lot of values on people, you just kind of use the sites ADP. Um, I would avoid trading up uh, and, and you, you really got to establish where the tiers are. Now the difference between running back five and running back 10 is huge. The difference between running back eight or nine and running back 15 is not as big. And when it gets to wide receivers, it's even more of a discrepancy, which is why he likes to get that top end quarterback. Cause they're locked up quarterbacks score the most points. Generally the guys at the top of the board are, are younger. You know that you can set it and forget it and you, and you have your pillar and the running back is the same thing because the scarcity is huge. Now he did say, he doesn't necessarily want to be locked into quarterback, running back, or vice versa, and that is because he will have a set names on his list that he's comfortable as his RB1 or his QB1. If they're not available, it's time to move out. If they are available, it's time to stay put. And if they're available and you know you have another draft pick coming up and there's so many names on the list that you know you'll get another one, then once again, you got something to do there, right? Uh, yep. You got it right on point. So an, another point that I wanted to bring up is just because of how deep the wide receiver position is, if I am looking to draft my first wide receiver, let's say in the fourth round or so, I am going to look at that draft board, like you were saying, and see if there are comparable talents, comparable production that are going to be available probably one, two, three rounds later and see, let's see, I'm going to put the I'm going to going to go ahead and put the pick on the block and see what kind of offers I get. If I get an offer that gives me significant value on top of that later um, startup pick, then that's absolutely something I will pull the trigger on. 
Yeah. And this is where roster size comes into play too. If you have a shallow bench, there will be more people to stream. You don't have to worry so much about those, those late picks, right? If you have a deep bench, you're going to need a little bit of extra to fill out your bench. If you have shallow starters, you're going to want to trade up and get studs. Studs win the game. If you have a ton of starters right here, we have 10 starters. So theoretically, if nobody traded between round one and 10, okay, that would be everybody's starting lineup. So if you are trading up and you want another pick traded in, thrown in, make sure it's still in the top however many rounds because you don't want to be trading, you know, two, one starter and a bench piece and you're giving up two starters of your own, right? Very when good. it comes to to buying and selling draft picks, I know you alluded to this, every draft's different, but there's always a guy that is absolutely just chucking them out there because he's trying to pour his value into this season. Is that you? Uh, do you do you sell your draft picks in, to try and get front load this season, or are you more of a buyer? I am not the most patient man in the world, and this is something that I've had to learn and I've had to improve on is when I first started playing Dynasty, I was all about just throwing away those those rookie firsts, those rookie seconds, and going all in on winning now. But as I've played a little bit more, as I've gotten more experience, I'm a little more hesitant of just trading them away unless I'm getting good value in return. So it's something you – Dynasty is a lot of balance between winning now and preparing for the future, as we all know. So you don't want to go necessarily too far in one way or the other. You want to keep a nice balance in between. Uh, now I'm going to put you on the spot here, okay? All right. If buying and selling a draft pick, it's just a, a, a startup round. It's not even a number, just some specific round for a first. If you are going to sell your first, is there a specific round you're comfortable with? And on the flip side, if you are buying someone's first, is there a specific round you're comfortable just giving away your startup? pick for their future first rounder so i would say this varies pretty considerably depending on format but using the format that we are for this podcast i would say somewhere around the fourth or fifth i would be willing to trade my first for that startup pick but if i am looking to buy or yeah try trying to trade your first back in yeah where would that round be so if i'm trying to trade my first back in I would be looking for maybe a sixth or seventh round startup. Okay. We had those flipped though. So if he is buying in, if he's giving up his first, he's looking for a fourth or fifth. If he's going to sell his first somewhere in the sixth or seventh round, if the board is kind of loaded or it's not somebody he loves, then he's looking to flip out. Uh, we do a lot of startups here. We've been in a ton of them. Some of them have rookies in it. Okay. Some of them don't. If the rookies are in it, and you're looking those top end running backs, picks one to five, especially in super flex leagues, they're going between ones round one and four. They always are. Okay. But the back end, okay. Pick six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever. If kickers are involved as your play setter, as your rookies or if rookies are already plugged in, you're going to find those low end first somewhere in the eighth round. That's going to happen in super flex leagues. You're going to find your, I'm just going to name off 2019, regardless of performance, this is where they were going. You're going to find your Ragers, your Claypools, your Higgins, uh, your Antonio Gibsons, people like that are going to be somewhere in the seventh or eighth round. So if you're buying in, you want around, you want higher than that. You're going to try and get premium value. If you're selling out, that is probably the breaking point because you want to assume that you're going to finish late, but there's a randomness to the game. Um, and so when you're buying somebody's future, you don't want to give up a fourth or fifth round pick because what if they fin- what if they win? And if you're giving them talent, you're improving their team. 
Okay, you also want to read their rosters because if somebody has traded up two or three times and you know they're going to have three or four studs and then absolute garbage, uh, I'm actively attacking their first round pick. I'm trying to get it off them. Uh, and on the flip side, if somebody's scooping up a ton of value and they try and sell me theirs, and I'm like, look, your, your roster's already filled up by the sixth round. <laughs> you know, I don't feel real good about that. I know it's random and anything can happen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to look to avoid that. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about as far as moves planned in? Clearly, you, you spoke on when you want to trade back. We spoke on draft picks uh, and their value. Are there any specific players or tiers or rounds? I know you talked about your wide receivers. Why don't you talk about where you like to attack the wide receiver position? All right. So when we're looking at wide receiver talent, usually, like I said, I'm passing in the first few rounds and I'm looking to attack the wide receiver position hard in the later rounds let's say rounds five through nine is usually where I'm looking to get a nice blend of youth and proven veteran production. I love those guys that the shine has worn off and they're boring to everyone, but all they do is produce, man, every year. Guys like Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson. I know we said we're not going to name names. Hey, it's just identifying a tier. It's okay. We're, yep. we're, we're in the locker room. It's okay. I love those veterans, man. I love the cheap veterans. But I also want to get some youth and some upside where I can have some longevity in my team. Absolutely. Let's talk about um, – um, Sean likes to call them buckets. Let's talk about the difference between vets and upside. Now – when you are choosing between two players that are close, one's young, one's old, do you like to go with the production? Do you like to go with the youth and upside? Uh, is there any specific tiebreaker for you? And do you generally load up on one or the other, or do you kind of keep it in the middle? I would say it's definitely dependent on the position that we're talking about. For running back, I like to target the guys who run their first or second contracts, the rookies, the second-year guys. Those are the guys that I'm going to be building around. And if I am confident that I'm a contender, then I'm going to be targeting some of the cheaper running backs on their second, third contracts. So generally speaking on running backs, I like the guys who are younger and wide receivers. It comes down to cost for me. I'm like Maddie daddy. I love those older veterans who I can get similar production for at a fraction of the cost. So that's where I would go with those two positions. Absolutely. You like those young running backs. For those of uh, our new listeners here, you've heard me say it a ton if you've listened before, but running backs gain the most value between years one and two. Okay. Whether they produce or not, they gain the most value. They gain the most hype. They're on ESPN. They're in the blogs between years one and two. And when they get that second contract, even though it's secure, uh, you got Ezekiel Elliott is paid through the nose. He's, he's going to be a cowboy. Right. But we've also seen Todd Gurley was going to be a Ram. And sometimes they cut the, they cut bait on the flip side wide receivers in their first contract because they're young and they're unknown and it was only one year it was only two years or the quarterback change or if they're on terrible teams the coaching staff change um their value goes up the most boon they sign that second deal okay and some of those guys are old we just saw robert woods and cooper cup both are signed through 2023 uh for the rams so you could feel secure even though one's 27 one's 28 you're going to own them till they're 30 you're probably not going to be able to get back what you want they're going to stay on your team uh, but the production is that that if you can focus on running back early, this this is Garrett here. If he focuses on running back early and locks up that first quarterback early, he can get those veteran wide receivers to fill out his roster and that vet quarterback somewhere in between rounds five 
and nine. This is another reason if you draft in the first and second round, you're not going to be able to get multiple fives and nines. If you don't trade the third or the fourth rounder, you've got to trade one of those, if not both of those, to load up in extra picks. And you want extra picks that would be considered a starter. In this particular exercise, there's 10 starters. You want extra picks in the top 10 rounds, ideally between rounds five and nine. Right? Sound yep. good? Right on. All right, man. So, um, and one other thing, real quick, I just want to yeah. get to get it, it in there. You didn't mention it, but one of the biggest parts of my strategy is getting one of the quarterbacks who I know is just going to be a set it and forget it for the next five to 10 years. Your Kyler Murray's, your Josh Allen's, your Patrick Mahomes. And some of those guys are going to be more expensive than others, but you can generally lock one of those guys up in the first couple rounds of the Superflex startup draft. And I'd love to get one of those guys and then mix them with the cheaper veteran quarterback later in the draft in those same rounds that we were just talking about for the wide receivers. So I like to hammer the veteran wide receivers and the veteran quarterbacks in those later rounds and then get an early quarterback, a young and established quarterback and a young running back on their first or second contract. Absolutely, and that's why those third and fourth rounds, uh, they got to be moved because if you don't move the third and fourth rounds, you can't get extra round picks between rounds five and nine and if you're going to sell or buy in he wants somewhere between a a fourth and a fifth rounder that's going to be a tough sell especially in 12 teams Uh, but if you can get it done you get it done and if not then you go to the sixth and you go to the seventh but you've already established that line of communication where the guy was like no way i'm doing a fourth check with him in the fifth he's like no way check with him in the sixth he's like flipping you the bird you get to the seventh (laughs) now we gotta be close right and so even if it's the eighth and that's against your rules i'm I'm not selling for an eighth or ninth and he's on the clock he might come back to you and ask and now you can look at the board and make your decision do you want to try and get a vet you know you can use or a young guy that would be a first rounder this year anyways or do you want to hold on to yours? And a lot of that's going to come down to your own roster and, and your own feelings on it. Remember, you never want to go into a startup absolutely selling out because even if you sell out for two years and you win in the third year, you you donated two years worth of buy-ins to get that. You better win in year two, three, four. You better win or you're just continually funneling into the pot. And on the flip side, if you're competing every year, uh, you can get a you can you can get an ugly win. Or you can get a bunch of pretty losses regardless at least you're in the mix um let's move on here to trade bait and storyline guys as far as trade bait say you're on the clock the guy you want is is five or six adp lower you can't trade out of the spot you cannot um and double up on value and get your guy anyways and you're looking at somebody that you know is a hot commodity that somebody in the league likes or or that you just know on twitter everybody's blowing up compared to somebody you think will actually score more points do you take the trade bait do you go get your guy? So this is something I actually learned from you two in the startup that we were in together is I've never seen someone take as many trade bait selections as you and Sean did. And man, did you make a bank on those trades that you made after taking them? So that's something that I actually learned. I'm going to definitely incorporate that into my startups from now on. It can be fruitful to take a guy that you don't even believe in, but you know, the hype is just out of control. And you know you're going to be able to get a pretty penny if you do decide to flip them at a later date. So that can be something where it's important to be flexible, right? If you're just saying, I'm going to go strictly off a positional build, then you missed out on some of these value guys. You miss out on some of the guys who may be good trade bait. So I think it's important to have a good balance between you don't want to be getting six quarterbacks and no running backs or wide receivers in the first six rounds, right? That's going to give you 
it's going to help other people leverage against you in trade negotiations. And it may be hard to fill out your roster, but at the same time, you don't want to go strictly based on positional need because you're going to miss out on being able to add extra value to your team. Yeah. When it comes to those trade bait guys, um, I love it. He, he mentioned it. I've made, I've made some good moves, but <laughs> if, if you draft somebody and you don't make a lot of trades, go get your guy. Okay, you want to like your dynasty team. You want to root for these guys. Go get your guy, all right? And if you are wrong, but it's your guy, it hurts. But if you're right, it's awesome. And if you don't like him and you're wrong, it's just bottom of the basement. And if you don't like him and he's good, it's nice, but it does not feel the same. We're playing dynasty. So if you don't make a lot of trades, I would recommend go getting your guy if you can't trade out. It's a very specific situation. Um, if you're a trade guy or you know somebody just blew up in the chat and you're trying to trade that specific the specific pick and you know he's being stubborn. And you, some people just don't trade till after the startup and all that kind of garbage. That's just a fallacy. That's a lie. Nobody does that. It's a lie. Don't, don't believe them. Um, I will pull the trigger only if I'm comfortable having to keep him. Because there yeah. is nothing worse than drafting a guy, wanting to flip him, and not being able to. So you cannot draft him and put him on the block. Okay? Sean does it all the time. But Sean, Sean wins and loses trades all the time. He's all over the place. I don't do that. I'm going to act like I like him because I'm not going to draft a guy unless I'm okay with sticking with him, even if I am actively trying to make a move. Uh, let's move on here to storyline guys, man. Let's talk about character guys. This is good and bad on and off the field, generally good character guys you're going to like, right? They're going to play. Uh, but bad character guys, there was a lot in 2019 and 2018. There was Zeke, there was Hunt, there was Tyreek. Now we got Will Fuller. Um, we got Josh Jacobs just got a DUI. We got some people with some off-the-field issues, whether it's domestic, domestic violence, um, drug issues, uh, just being a general, we'll call him, uh, you know, turd. I don't know, nice term. He's just generally not being oh, a good member of society. <laughs> Uh, do you do you like to target these guys and draft because their ADP is quote unquote at a value, or do you avoid them uh, because you know that you could absolutely be taking a, a goose egg in whatever round you take them in? I think it depends on the type of storyline that we're talking about. If we're talking about a storyline that could legitimately affect the future of this man's career, we might want to be a little more cautious. But if it is a holdout type situation like we experienced with Zeke. And that could be a great buying opportunity because people are freaking out and some of them are short-sighted. They say, I want to draft this guy and I want him to help me win a championship, right? Because running backs do have that shorter shelf life. So they want production here and now. So I did see Zeke go for pretty cheap when he was holding out. So I would say holdout guys are good guys to target in Dynasty because we're playing a long game, man. So I would say it does depend on the type of storyline for me. Okay, what storylines do you avoid? Because story clearly, hold out guys, hold out guys you like, and anybody is specific ADP. If you think he's a second rounder and he's sitting there in the eleventh, I mean, don't be silly. That's how tight it is a one. Maybe it's a zero, but maybe whoever you're taking could be a zero. Um, but if you think he's a seventh round guy and he's sitting there in the eleventh, now you're thinking about whether you want to take somebody that's productive um, or just take a shot. Uh, so, what kind of storylines do you avoid? This does, this does uh, depend. There's always exceptions, man. There's the Tyreeks where we thought this guy's career was going to be over and then he comes back and has a career year the next year. So sometimes you're going to get burnt, but generally speaking, if it's character concerns, if it's substance abuse, if it's PEDs like Will Fuller, that is going to be kind of a red flag for me because I want guys that I can depend on. I don't want to be 
over here nervous as hell, wondering if my guy's going to even be playing next year when I just spent high draft capital getting him in a startup. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to injury guys. Uh, do you like to buy off the cheap for the big payoff? Uh, do you avoid injury concerns? And if so, are there any injuries that, that weigh heavier on your mind than the others? Or are there any you're more comfortable with than others? And uh, let's get into the details there. So I would say it depends on the age of the player when they are having the injuries. If we're looking at someone like Saquon Barkley, who's still 23 years old and had the um, injuries the last couple of years, I'm going to be much quicker to buy those kinds of players than when we're talking about older wide receivers. I learned my lesson with my boy OBJ, huge fan of his, but his injuries have just been adding up and it's got to be reminiscent of AJ Green and his late career just persistent injury after injury. And a lot of people thought he was going to rebound this year, but he did not look like the same player to me. He looked like a show of himself. So you got to think sometimes these injuries can add up. Yeah. Are there any specific, okay. So the age weighs in, but when it comes to the injury, whether it's soft tissue, MCL and ACLs, Achilles, um, the shoulder issues, a broken hand, are there any things that weigh heavier on your mind than the others? I would say broken bones are definitely more reassuring, generally speaking, because we know they're going to fully recover. But I'm not a doctor, man, but I do know that science has been advancing rapidly. And a lot of these guys who do tear their ACLs are coming back and having long careers. Your Adrian Petersons, obviously, he's one of the best running backs of all time. So maybe not a great example, but it is something that I'm not going to really let injury affect my strategy and the guys that I want too much. Yeah, there's always a you're injured until you're not, right? You're you're injury prone until you're not. Um, I've said it on probably every every pod. I bring up Keenan Allen because he's my guy, and he, he was washed. He's done. He's always hurt, and he hasn't been hurt. He hasn't been hurt in like half a decade. Move on. Uh, but Frank Gore comes to mind. Frank Gore's maybe he's not a world beater. Maybe he's not a world beater uh, in fantasy. Maybe not in real life. I'm a big fan though, and he came out of high uh, came out of college with serious knee injuries, and this is kind of why I, I held with Todd Gurley probably too long. Is um, he was supposed to be done. And he is playing so long that he could play with his kid next year. Like it depends on the person. It depends on the work ethic. Um, hamstrings linger, high ankle sprains linger in season. And some people take care of themselves and some people don't. So, um, but the one that stands out to us as a staff is the Achilles injury. It's incredibly tough to come back from an Achilles. And I know a couple of people that have, and it's fantastic. And so uh, buying on the cheap, it really depends on how cheap, but I like how you put it there. Uh, it depends on the injury. Because depends on the age. I mean, if the dude's 22 and he blows out his knee, maybe he's not good when he's 23, but the year after that, he's still 24. He's still 24. Like he's, he's not old. And as long as he's the kind of guy that works hard and he's always, he's always trying to get better. He's got a good diet. He's not out there drinking beers. Like Ben Roethlisberger was my least favorite player to own ever because he would win a Super Bowl or he put up, he'd throw for 5,000 yards. I'd be like, yeah, Ben. And I see him, he's chugging beers. He's fat in the offseason. You're like, what are you doing, buddy? <laughs> Don't you know you're part of my team? I need your cell phone. I need to call. We need to talk this out. Right. Uh, let's go off our last question here. Playoff and recency bias. Recency bias bites us all. Um, like he, he mentioned, OBJ's his guy, and OBJ looked like trash, and it's going to be tough to get back in. On the flip side, 
Uh, you see two or three big games, and, and so the recency will get you back in. Uh, but we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs when it's when it's do or die. When our season is over, do you, do you take that into account? Those players that blew up in 2019, we saw DK set a record. We saw Debo get fed. We saw Raheem Mostert blow up. I mean, we saw a lot of guys do a lot of things. Clearly, on their way to a title. Do you take that into consideration um, for your dynasty builds? Um, or do you really focus on weeks one through 16? Cause that's where we get our production. Absolutely, man. We got to focus on the playoffs. That's the most important part of the NFL season. And this is where teams, they rely on the guys that they believe in the most. So we got to pay attention to that as fantasy owners. And the one exception I would say is you want to be a little bit hesitant to buy players. If their circumstance next year is uncertain, if they do have a contract issue, if they are going to be free agents next year, you might want to be a little bit more hesitant to buy and even look to sell those guys. So for example, if Antonio Brown continues to ball out, like he's balling, you might want to look to sell because we don't know where he's going to be, if he's even going to be playing next year. So I would say it depends on their future, depends on their contract situation. But like you said, DK Metcalf had a huge playoff performance last year in the playoffs. And that was a little bit of a, of a pre of a foreshadowing for this year. Right. So we got to pay attention to those things as fantasy owners. Yeah. Everybody's watching it. Um, you can take advantage of recency bias as easily as you can be taken advantage of. So you take it as a grain of salt, but salt tastes good on everything. Right. Put salt yeah. on all my crap, man. Yes, sir. Everything's got salt in it. I mean, if you're not eating salt, I'm sorry. What are you Try doing out, dude? Eat some cheese too. I'm just saying Jesus <laughs> in and outside of everything. Um, but there are a few, like you said, contract situations. Mostert came to mind because Mostert blew up, set records. Dude's awesome. Dude's still legit. Dude's a great talent. They didn't want to pay him. What's up with that? So you know he's in some sort of – he's not the guy. Like, he's their guy, but he's in some sort of workload. Um, Debo. Debo blew up. It was so fun to watch. If they had drafted uh, a top-flight guy, they got Brandon Ayuk. I know that's a very good wide receiver, but it's not – it's not a top flight guy. If they had went and signed one of the free agents, that's a red flag. But because they kind of brought the band back together, you got to pay attention to the circumstances, right? So going into these playoffs, chances are Chiefs players are going to blow up. You know, Devontae Adams is probably going to blow up. We're going to see that. It's that off-brand guy that has a huge game, and it's his career game. I'm not necessarily buying him. But if it is a young player and they keep the staff and they keep the roster – now we got something to look into. All right, man. I hope you enjoyed your time here on the locker room. Um, but let's focus on his team build. Okay. The strength of his team. He gets that top end quarterback. He can set it and forget it. He said five to 10 years. I think that's absurd, but that's why this is an experiment. Anything I said two or three years, who knows? <laughs> Josh Allen was trashed last year, but who knows? Okay. So he gets that top flight pillar of a quarterback. Same thing with the running back on a rookie contract. Uh, first, second, maybe a third year guy that you know is going to know is going to produce. And then he trades his third and fourth to try and attack that specific position group of vet quarterbacks, vet wide receivers that he know can fill out his roster. So he has the floor with the quarterback, the stability with the running back that he knows this year might not be his year, but he's still in the league. And then he fills out with vets in rounds five to nine. The youth movement is exciting to him, but it's not that important. He really likes the contract. Okay. He really likes that contract because that's when you know a team is invested when it comes to trading, uh, he looks for those guys that like to give away those draft picks, and he looks looks for those guys that like to acquire them. He takes the draft picks from the freebies, and he swaps them back in to get in rounds five to 
nine. Okay. He never goes into rebuild. He really likes to win now. He's not too patient. He's working on that. So he will pour his uh, futures into this year to try and get that win because we all play for ships, not for tips. And that's why we're here. So Garrett, why don't you let them know where they can find you on Twitter? You guys can follow me at FF Goldmine on Twitter. At FF Goldmine on Twitter. I'm at Eric Burkholder6 on Twitter. Uh, thanks for listening to The Locker Room. We'll hit you next week when we start bringing in some more studs. Peace out, guys. Peace out.